Welcome to Malpractice Podcast. Hey, are you ready to get started? <laughs> Flip of the coin every time if I'm going to know if it's my turn or not. And I never know. It's fine. At this point, it feels like it's it's part of it now. Not knowing is part of the game. Yeah. I'm Jess. I'm Sydney, and this is Malpractice Podcast. It is. And I'm like, keep looking at Corey, my dog, who cannot be trusted to be by herself without the door ajar. So I'm watching her. She's pretty calm. The first couple of times we did it, I don't know if you remember, Sydney, but she was like in my lap, essentially. Yeah. Like the most annoying human ever. And she's couple arm links away. I remember having to edit her breathing out of the episode. Yeah, sounds right. Cool. She's doing good over there. Good for her. I'm proud of her. We, like, had a conversation, <laughs> so I think she's got her life together, but Okay, Corey, knows? I need you to get your shit together and act right. I need you to stop. Yeah. It is t- too much. She's a needy dog. Yeah, she is. I mean, same. <laughs> Who amongst us? So what did you do? You did something fun this weekend. Yeah, for my friend's birthday, we went to Six Flags. I have not, let me just tell you, I have not ridden a roller coaster in a really long time, and I don't think I'm a roller coaster person. Okay, I want you to guess right now if you think I'm a roller coaster person. For reference, let me tell everyone in our listenership that Jess will, if she's anxious, not watch new TV shows. (laughs) Because she's afraid to not know what happens. Oh, yeah. So I already know that you're not a roller coaster person. In the air, bitch? Yeah. In what world? There are too many roller coaster accidents Mm -hmm. for me to hop my happy ass on one of them. I'm not doing it. Yeah. For me, it's about the fact that everyone who works there looks 16. Or 64. Right. There's... No in between. And I don't love that. I don't either. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I know that an adult engineer designed the roller coaster, but I also know that if this bored 16-year-old, like, they can't identify a problem with the roller coaster. And on one of them we went on, there was, like, on the control panel, there were two blinking red lights, and I was like, I'm not getting on this one. 100%. Because a blinking red light is never good. Yeah. Mm -mm. Tell me one scenario... Where a red light flashes and it means everything's great. Good to go. Get on it. Yeah, yeah no. 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 I don't like red lights at all. I walked my happy ass right off that roller coaster. I would have too. First of all, I would never be in the line. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, no, I'm good. I don't I don't like I don't like to be scared. Yeah. I don't like to be worried. And I'm not someone who's like, woo. That's not me. I'm like 50-50 on On a roller coaster. I'll like cry. I can be talked into riding a roller coaster. And we rode the, it's like the Texas Rattler or something like that, which is wooden. Uh, Again, no. I don't trust wood. No. I don't trust it. I don't want a house made out of wood. (laughs) I don't want nothing made out of wood in my life. Well, it sounds like you had fun though. I had fun. I'm just realizing now that. I have my limits. As you should. Thank you. (laughs) That's all I really needed. Did Eric go on those? Eric went on every single one. Oh, fuck no. Eric is a fiend. He likes it. Yes. He went on this one that was like the chair, the position of the head and the feet was constantly switching on the chair. Oh, no. 
Like it was rocking you forward like 80, 180 degrees the entire time. Mm-mm. And I was like, unless you want to see what I had for lunch, I am not riding that roller coaster because I will vomit. That just doesn't sound like a good time. It's not my vibe. And also, this is going to sound really fucked up. I'm just going to say it, and I might end up cutting all of this from the episode. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the people at Six Flags look like the type of people who make poor decisions. <laughs> like, I'm on a roller co- I'm in line for a roller coaster with a guy with a neck tattoo. Oh, yeah. He has no fears. <laughs> he has no regrets in his life. And maybe he should have some. Decision making isn't... I got you. You know 100%. the vibe of a neck tattoo. <laughs> I... I know. You might as well get it on your forehead. Post Malone vibes do it. I mean, Posty, he's the only one who can pull that off. He has some really unfortunate tattoos. Yeah. But he's a, <laughs> he's a bop. I mean, yeah. I Like, would I be his friend? Yes. Would I advise getting Post Malone tattoos? Almost definitely no. No. Yeah. Mm-mm. Okay. So let's get into the episode. Number one, I am unreasonably excited about the topic today. But first, we have a quick follow-up on the fake doctor from last week. So in our last episode, we shared a story about a young man named Malachi Love Robinson. He's a fake doctor, but a real criminal. I love that. (laughs) If you haven't listened to that episode yet, go listen to it. But there's even more that this man did, and we just wanted to share it. So briefly recapping, he pretended to be a doctor, opened a clinic, stole money, tried to trick someone into buying him a car wild right he was recently booked into the palm beach county jail at 9 15 a.m thursday december 31st 2021 on charges of grand theft and fraud Mm -hmm. um he was like a contracted employee for a freight company which is like a broker that connects a shipper to transport companies for a fee it's like a matchmaking middleman there like middleman yeah yeah in in delray beach and he diverted over nine thousand dollars from of customers payments into his own personal it's not funny but his own personal account yeah like according to his former boss he set up all these dummy accounts also after digging it was discovered that those accounts were registered under the name national logistics division llc which was a business directly registered to malachi (laughs) so we'll follow up on anything else that we find about this guy but essentially he is just wild i'm obsessed with i'm obsessed with his mistakes truly (laughs) you need to go watch that movie catch me if you can because that's his whole vibe i want i'm gonna watch it do it so now on to today's show today we're talking blue people Yes, y'all, like the blue yeah. blue people. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I am too. I saw something about this on TikTok because that's me. That's your vibe. And Sydney saw another podcast episode because that's her mm-hmm. and that, <laughs> that stuff you should know, which is a great podcast, like highly recommend. And then we shared them with each other. And we were like, yeah, we should cover this. So longest story short, there's this family and they were blue. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the too long, didn't read it version. Clip notes. So we're going to get into a super interesting set of conditions that are very unusual that essentially turn you blue. And it's not like a tinge of blue. We're talking Violet Beauregard from Willy Wonka turns into a blueberry blue. Yeah. So let's get into the history of this family and how that happened. So the story starts with Martin Fugate. I think that's how you say his name. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're right that it's Fugate. And uh, we we have a friend of the pod who is definitely a listener whose last name is Fugate. (laughs) So I want to make sure we pronounce the Fugate 
to avoid any confusion. Martin came to an unsettled area of Kentucky. He was actually like a French orphan who knew like nothing of his heritage. And he just like settles in Kentucky. Ironically, the Blue Hills of Hazard, Kentucky, which like (laughs) seen as set in 1820. Yikes. It's a bad time. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't know much about Kentucky besides like not really wanting to know much. (laughs) If we have any like listeners in Kentucky that are like, no, Kentucky is great. Like, let us know. But (laughs) for sure, there are some that say he had like a blue tint to his skin, but not like dark blue. That's like, oh, my God, that man is blue. He fell into a vat of paint. It was more like, is he? Yeah. Oh, in the right lighting. Maybe. Is he blue a little bit? Is he a little bit cold? (laughs) Right. In the wrong lighting, he looks a little blue, but the family eventually looks dipped in paint blue. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So Martin ends up marrying a woman named Elizabeth Smith. Uh, Again, random. They meet. Just like fell in love, got married. Yeah. I don't know if you fall in love in the 1820s, but... (laughs) I mean, half the time I feel like it was probably just like, oh, you're single, I'm single, let's not die. Yeah, and if you're alive, great. 1820s meet cute. <laughs> yeah, so the two set up a homestead near Troublesome Creek, Kentucky, which is hilarious. <laughs> His wife, Elizabeth, was an American. She was redhead, um, and she had, like, very pale, white, white skin, yeah. they said. Like, she would play me in my life story. <laughs> very, very pale. Same. So... Anyway, they're married in the 1820. Um, What they didn't know at the time is that they were both carriers of the recessive. Okay. Can you say the name? Yeah. I knew this was going to come up. I was so excited for you to try it. Um, Hold on. Met. Do you want me to do it first? Yeah, I don't. I can't. (laughs) Met hemoglobinemia. Met hemoglobinemia. I didn't read that. I just repeated you. I don't want people to think that I can read. I practiced it. I'm not going to lie. Met hemoglobinemia. (laughs) Or, as I will be calling it, Met H. Yep. It's a recessive gene. Obviously, they didn't know they carried this gene, hashtag 1820, and they truly barely knew each other, like with Martin being from Europe, and he didn't know his history either. What's really interesting is that this particular condition is incredibly rare. Mm -hmm. One article that we read said that it's a 1 in 100,000th chance of having this particular genetic mutation. So for two people to have settled down in the same area, one being an orphan from Europe, the other being this redheaded queen get married is like a lightning yeah striking twice kind of thing yeah totally and in order for the blue skin gene to be passed on to their children lightning really did strike twice in this case because the way recessive genes like this work is if only one parent is a carrier of the mutation their children would have normal looking skin but they could potentially be carriers of the gene themselves But because in this case, both parents had this rare genetic variant that is recessive, each child has a 50% chance of being an unaffected carrier, meaning they're not blue, but their kids could be blue if they married someone that had the gene. Mm. Meaning that they carry the gene, they don't express the blue skin. They also have a 25% chance of expressing the blue skin trait and a 25% chance of being born completely normal. So that's a really simplified, pared-down version of how recessive genes work. But for each of them to have a 1 in 100,000 chance of carrying this, and for both of them to have it, it's crazy. I'm really glad I, I like, put in this, like, someone explain recessive genes. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like, one big, not going to be me. But I think that's really helpful because 
it's already rare, but like two people with recessive genes, generally it's fine. Mm-hmm. However, in this case, not. <laughs> yep. These people definitely lost the genetic lottery in this regard. We do know that the original couple were not, in fact, related. Although that will end up being an issue later. Yeah. The starting point, not related. In the end of it, doesn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> they definitely were. Um, Martin and Elizabeth had seven children already problematic. That's a lot of kids. 1800s, everybody had. I suppose, yeah. 20,000 kids. Yeah. A lot. Wild. Four of them had, like, blue skin due to them passing on this rare genetic mutation. And they weren't just, like, the kind of blue that Martin kind of was and, like, the right lighting. Yeah. They were, like, dark blue. We'll post a picture, but they look very blue. They look like it's a joke. Yeah. But it's not a joke. It also feels like it would be really scary as a parent if you weren't expecting your kids to come out blue and they came out blue. That would be terrifying. Who, at this time, was expecting... You were just hoping things went out fine. Correct. A blue child, you're like, oh man. And <laughs> so we're going to get into the science behind it, but essentially these kids could have been blue and like completely normal otherwise. Oh yeah, 100%. So getting into the science, methemoglobinemia is actually a blood condition, not a skin condition as you might have expected. So it has absolutely nothing to do with melanin. For some background, your blood is normally red because red blood cells are packed with proteins called hemoglobin. It has a red color from the compound heme that contains iron atoms. When you take a deep breath in, the oxygen from the air you breathe temporarily binds the iron atom on that hemoglobin. And when those blood cells travel throughout your body, they carry oxygenated blood to your tissues. Okay? I'm following. Perfect. (laughs) A mutated gene causes the body to build up a specific form of that hemoglobin called met hemoglobin, where the iron in a red blood cell's heme group is essentially the wrong type of iron ion. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So this mutation would cause the blood to be a dark bluish brown color rather than the normal bright red. With this type of genetic mutation, it's not only that the iron and oxygen can't bind as well as they normally would, it's actually also that when they do bind, they bind too tightly. So when the blood traveling inside those arteries and capillaries at the surface of your skin gets to the tissues and is supposed to let go of that oxygen, it can't. Mm. So when people without this genetic mutation, they normally produce some met hemoglobin, like everybody has some of it. But we normally have an enzyme that converts it to normal hemoglobin. But people who have this mutation, like the Fugit family has, they don't produce enough of this enzyme. And so that met hemoglobin builds up, makes their skin look blue. Yeah, this makes sense. So I was like reading about this too, because I'm like, you know, hashtag not a science girl. (laughs) But I knew about red blood cells, like circulating oxygen. Exactly. And so that all makes sense to me. And I'm glad that you mentioned it's not about melanin because at the beginning I was like, oh, is this some sort of like skin issue? But it's actually much cooler of an issue. Yeah, It's just a really interesting skin being blue. And just as a side note, it's completely a myth that your blood is blue until it comes into contact with oxygen or whatever like dumb thing kids tell each other in middle school science classes. That's not true. I think they say that because when you look at your veins. Yeah. It looks blue. You can see that it looks blue. And then when you cut yourself, you're like, it's red. So, obvs, bing, bang, that's how it works. Sure. No, it's not how it works. Blood is just red. (laughs) 
<laughs> but with this condition, the met hemoglobinemia, the blue, I practiced that for a really long time. Can you tell? <laughs> I saw the word, obviously, and I was like, nope. Herderberger. Med H. Yeah. So with this condition, the bluish blood in your veins and arteries makes your skin look blue, which I'm sure is hella embarrassing, especially if you're living in the 1800s, and it means that everyone basically just spreads rumors that you married your cousin. Right. But the blue skin isn't the only symptom in some people because their blood would have difficulty getting the tissues the oxygen it need the tissues need mm-hmm. it could also be accompanied by headaches dizziness poor muscle coordination fatigue shortness of breath but lots of doctors in the sources that i found seem to say that this condition doesn't actually necessarily come with huge health concerns which was actually really surprising to me yeah agreed This condition also isn't the only thing that can cause you to turn blue. There's even an acquired version that can be caused by some medications like certain antibiotics and local anesthetics. Yeah, and when we were researching, we just wanted, we found something else we wanted to share. Um, So according to the poison control website, like poison.org, teething gels and lotions with benzocaine should not be used on children under the age of two because this topical anesthetic can cause... Met H, essentially. Yeah. And, like, young children. And although some people who inherit the condition have no no real health issues, it can actually be fatal in some cases, according to the American Academy of Pediatrics and the FDA. Both say, mm-hmm. do not use the benzocaine products because it can cause, like, real, real harm. Um, Which is crazy. So both the American Academy of Pediatrics and the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, warn parents not to use benzocaine for children under two. And even if your teething product doesn't contain a warning label, be sure to consult with your pediatrician and do your own research before using anything with this product in it. So that's our, like, PSA that we discovered while while researching. Yeah. And I felt like that was such a terrifying thing to learn because you would think a teething product— would obviously contain this kind of warning if it is a concern. But who wants to risk anything with your, like, one-year-old? Let's just not use it. Or At least, at the very least, talk to your pediatrician before you use anything like that. In other conditions that are slightly lighter that can turn you blue, there's this man who turned his skin permanently blue from drinking too much colloidal silver supplement and rubbing colloidal silver cream on his skin after he saw an article that said colloidal silver brought a dead flower back to life or something like that. What the fuck is happening? This is why you can't just believe everything you read on Facebook, friends. So the condition is called Argyria. No. Um, Alex Jones and Gwyneth Paltrow have both allegedly touted it as an ant- like for its antibiotic properties, which it actually might have. But let's all just stick to the doctor's orders, okay? Let's not maybe listen to... Um, influencers for our health concerns absolutely not so this man was drinking about 10 ounces a day of a colloidal silver homebrew mix and he is irreversibly blue forever from colloidal silver i just really people stop (laughs) stop doing things stop doing that for sure stop it now okay let's pause here for a quick break from our sponsors gotta pay the bills somehow (laughs) So welcome back to the Fugate family. Martin and Elizabeth, they started the family. 
so they got married, right? Remember, they're not related. <laughs> Each generation after them had at least some members that carried this mutation. The family was, like, super embarrassed that they were blue. So they self-isolated, which it's not, don't be embarrassed, but, like, it's the 1820s. I'm sure, you know, people were rude. Well, here's the thing. I get it. Yeah. Especially if the people in the area start to associate it with marrying someone in your family and procreating with someone in your family. Well, because they were. Right. But it's also not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> like, you were doing I get the embarrassment. So they have a blue family, and they essentially self-isolated further from society, which means that they ended up marrying their cousins, their aunts, other closely related family members, which increased the odds of the condition and thus, like, also increased... The stigma associated with their skin color. Yeah. The author of the textbook, Human Genetics Concepts and Applications, in its 13th edition, said their name is Ricky Lewis. And they said, if you took any random person in the population, around one in a hundred thousand would carry this gene, if that many. But if you're marrying your cousin, it goes down to one in eight. So the risk skyrockets if you're sharing blood, which makes sense. The family also had the gene to varying degrees. Some of them may have just had it in their extremities, like their fingers and toes were mm-hmm. blue or bluish. Um, some of them just looked bluish in very cold weather, mm-hmm. while others had more of the med H would just be like bright blue, like blueberry blue from head to toe. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that to me, this sounds low. The threshold for looking a little bit blue isn't very high. If 1% of the globin proteins in your blood are met hemoglobin instead of normal hemoglobin, it could make you look a little bit blue. So 1% is the threshold for looking a little bit blue, and the more it accumulates, the bluer you look, essentially. That's too low for me. Same. It also doesn't really help, if you think about it, that the mom, Elizabeth, had skin that was very, very white, like almost translucent, pale. So if she had given her kids a similar complexion, they have super pale skin and then blue blood under the skin, it's like the perfect storm for looking very blue. Because the more melanin you had in your skin, the less visible the blood under the skin would be. Yeah. When I read that, I was like, oh. Yeah. That's a bummer. (laughs) It's a really unfortunate combo for them. It is. Yeah. So people weren't super kind to the Fugate family, as you can imagine, when they started having blue children. So like you said, they started to self-isolate more and more in the Appalachian Mountains. Because this was the 1800s, they didn't really know why this family was blue, So people also generally thought they might be able to catch it. Like they thought the blueness was contagious, which made them even less kind to the Fugate family. And people then would avoid integrating or marrying into the family at all. And it also doesn't really help that that part of Kentucky that they settled in 1820 didn't get paved roads or railway trucks going to it until the early 1900s. So they were isolated by themselves for almost 100 years. Yeah. So what they ended up with was a small, isolated population of families that had a much higher than normal rate of blue people. And that's how they ended up being known as the Blue Fugates or the Blue People of Kentucky. Because they just passed this recessive gene down to generations in their own and in neighboring families. So the Fugate family members lived around the area of Troublesome Creek. Hashtag the name of their book. Hashtag God Troubles. (laughs) Um, 
into the 20th century, and it actually came to the attention of a nurse, Ruth Pendergrass, and a hematologist, Madison Kaween. Kaween. On the podcast stuff, you should know they say cow wine, but Kaween, Kaween, cow wine, cow wine. Sure, Madison. I'm gonna call him Madison anyway. Maddie. So we have Ruth, the nurse, and Madison Kaween the third. But they came together and did a study of the condition. Basically, they both had interest. And therefore, into the history of the family, they had both, like, kind of compiled family trees of the people suffering from this condition and ended up deciding to, like, combine those works. Mm -hmm. Madison, who was a doctor at the University of Kentucky, would go on to discover a treatment uh, for the condition. He, like, originally went out looking for blue people I want to pause and add that Madison was, like, super obsessed with finding them throughout the 1960s. Yeah. Once he realized there was a blue family in that area, he was like, I'm about to go find these people. And he would hide in the woods where he knew they lived, spot them, and then, like, chase them down. That's creepy AF. It is. And he, like, relocated to the area for some time and would go around asking people about them, which was crazy for a couple reasons. One, you look like a stalker because you are. Mm-hmm. And then two, people were already like feeling some type of way about the family. So they like didn't have much information because they're so isolated. And he's asking about them, making them even more like pariahs in society, I almost feel like. Yeah. Almost like subjects of a study. It does feel like he went about this maybe the wrong way. And I know he ended up helping them, which is great. But it does feel like he, like, mega othered them. He super othered them. And all for his own weird interests. And they're already blue. They don't need your help. I know. Goddamn. Also, can you imagine being a blue person? You're embarrassed of your skin. And this man is tracking you down in the woods and chasing you. I, I'm no. just imagining the state of mind as a blue person. He's a creeper. If somebody was chasing me. Creep. Scared. No, same. He did eventually find a brother and sister, Patrick and Rachel Ritchie in a Hazard County clinic who really resented their blue skin. Like, they were blue. Mm -hmm. They were looking for an answer. They didn't like being blue. When he first saw them, he he is quoted as saying, they were bluer than hell. (laughs) (laughs) Which is objectively hilarious. It is, yeah. Uh, They were embarrassed about being blue, but didn't seem to be ill in any other way. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't wait in the waiting room even. They were, like, hunched over in a hallway hiding their face, like, fully covered, waiting to be seen. That's how embarrassed they were. And he also said, like, you could tell how much it bothered them to be blue, which, duh. And he goes on saying, like, I started asking them questions, like, do you have any relatives who are blue? Then I sat down, and they began to chart their family with him, which eventually traced back to Martin and Elizabeth. Yeah, which is crazy. And the actual, the pedigree of heredity in this family is fully traceable. So they have this entire thing online. If you go to, you know, we'll link it. But if you go to, like, the Wikipedia article for the Blue Fugates, they have their entire family history online, which is honestly kind of awesome. Yeah. Madison originally became intrigued when he came across reports of hereditary Met H among some Inuit populations in Alaska. Those communities were intensely isolated, so often relations in families were common. And there's an obvious connection here with the Blue Fugate family. Scientists working with the Inuit communities had pinpointed the problem, which was the deficiency of that enzyme that we talked about earlier. And when Madison was studying the situation in Kentucky, he realized that if he could find a way to convert that met hemoglobin to normal hemoglobin without that enzyme, he could find a cure for this entire problem. So 
He needed a substance that would give an electron to that met hemoglobin that would help it bind oxygen and release it when needed. And the solution was, ironically enough, found in a dye called methylene blue. When the siblings were injected with 100 milligrams of methylene blue, the color completely left their skin within minutes. Dr. Cowine said for the first time in their lives, they were pink and they were absolutely delighted. A hundred percent. Yeah. Imagine the joy you would feel if you were alone and isolated your entire life because of how you look and one shot just clears it up in minutes. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a bop. Yeah. I bet they really thought it was magic, too, because they were isolated. And I don't I mean, I have to imagine they didn't have much education, like they didn't know what was going to happen. Or if they did, it was like their own kind of sought after. Yeah. Suddenly they're not blue anymore. I bet they were like, I'm about to hit the town. No one's even going to know who I am. (laughs) Right. I feel like if I was a blue person also and he held up a blue dye to inject me with, I'd be like, absolutely not. (laughs) More blue? More blue is not the answer, my friend. Absolutely not. But yeah, essentially that's what it did. It almost immediately cleared it up. I mean, in a matter of minutes, which is amazing. Yeah, agreed. Thank you guys for sticking with us. We're going to take one more break and we'll be right back. Just trying to keep the lights on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Welcome back yet again. So as the family tree goes down, like the Fugate family tree, young people that weren't blue, more likely, or, like, had just the the faintest tint, actually left the area around Troublesome Creek, took their recessive blue genes with them, and they, like, branched out and met people, had experiences, lived their lives, and then didn't pass on that gene because the likelihood of meeting other people with that recessive gene was so small, it decreased the odds of that continuing. Exactly. So even if their kids were carriers, they wouldn't have looked blue. Correct. Right. And they it would be so unlikely that they would meet somebody. To meet another carrier. Right. And to have this kind of like happen again. Exactly. The actual last known member of this family to be born with the gene and to be blue was Benjamin Stacy in 1975. So the doctors and nurses were like WTF when he was born with like. <laughs> Dark blue skin. Fair. And they were, like, so worried they called an ambulance immediately to take the baby over 100 miles away from his hometown where he was born to check out the situation. He was given a variety of medical tests for two days at the University of Kentucky Medical Center. After two days of the doctors essentially being like, what is happening here? Like, whisper, whisper. Like, we actually have no (laughs) idea what is going on. Is this a joke? Totally fair. His grandmother casually dropped, like, to the doctors, have you ever heard of the blue fugates of Troublesome Creek? Like, just testing the waters? Yeah. Uh, it feels, like, very old Western to me. <laughs> for some reason, I imagine her in, like, prairie dress. Same. Go. I mean, this is the 1970s, but same. Yeah. So, which I'm sure the doctors said, what are you talking about, ma'am? And also, why haven't you mentioned <laughs> this for two days? Right. I and mean, with that question, the floodgates broke open and, and Benjamin's dad chimed in and said, like, my grandmother, Luna, on my dad's side was a blue fugate. And it was, like, really bad in her. And they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. So eventually, Benjamin did grow out of the blueness um, and only had, like, blue tinges on his lips and the tips of his fingers if he got really cold or agitated. Right. So basically, as long as these people kept taking their methylene blue, which is now available in pill form for anyone who does suffer from met hemoglobinemia, the blue people of Kentucky could live their lives normally. 
Today, diagnosing this condition would entail blood tests that measure the met hemoglobin levels and test for the level of enzymes, especially the one that we talked about earlier that would normally convert met hemoglobin to normal hemoglobin, and potentially a really cool process called DNA sequencing, which honestly might be fun to do an episode about one day. That's super cool. Yeah, agreed. And that's what we know about that. We really hope you like this episode. Please feel free to rate and review us wherever you listen. If you've already left us a review, thank you so much for the support. We really appreciate it. If you haven't, do it. Yeah, send us your topic ideas or medical people you admire for us to reach out to and possibly interview. Absolutely. And don't forget, malpractice, malpractice makes, makes perfect. perfect. Bye. Bye-bye.